Welcome to the Conduit Deeper Podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series, from current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. And welcome to the Deeper Podcast from Conduit Church. Uh, This is our weekly podcast where we go deeper into the sermon series, interesting finds, stuff going on in the media, current events, uh, all that stuff that I couldn't get in on a Sunday morning. Um, This is Darren Tyler. I am so glad that you have joined us today. Uh, Would you do me a favor? If you've been listening and you actually happen to like what you are hearing, would you mind sharing the podcast or uh, at least going to wherever you get your podcast from, whether that's Spotify, iTunes, wherever, and like giving a review, liking it, that stuff actually helps, and it does get us up into uh, the ratings a little bit more, which means that more and more people are finding it. Um, fascinating. We've got people listening from France, from Ghana, from Australia, uh, all over the world, which is uh, amazing. Uh, including our very favorite Canadians, Andrew and Glenda Basher in Canada. Uh, If you guys are listening today, we love you guys and miss you. Um, Today is uh, a treat. Uh, Revelation 7 uh, is one of my favorite passages in the book of Revelation. And it speaks specifically of the 144,000 Jewish uh, men that are set aside 12,000 from each tribe. And there's a lot of debate, a lot of conversation about whether these are literal Jewish people, metaphorical We go into all of that today and more, and I brought out the big guns today uh, because it's this is big stuff. So we got Mo Tiemann joining us as always, uh, and today uh, Tracy Rogers and Donna Van Leer both are joining me. It's not just one or the other, but it's both because this is a big subject, uh, and I, again, brought out the big guns to have them cover it for us. So, hey, I hope you guys enjoy it. Know that you are loved. Uh, It's As of uh, this recording, it's August 26th, there is a hurricane bearing down on the coast of Louisiana. And just know that we are praying for you there. If you happen to listen to it this week, and if you're part of our conduit family, uh, be listening for how you can help. We're going to definitely want to help those brothers and sisters in Louisiana who are uh, literally within hours, uh, a hurricane coming on shore. So depending on when you hear this, um, just keep praying for them and keep listening and checking our websites, conduitchurch.com for information on how you can help. Uh, In the meantime, uh, sit back, enjoy this hour-long conversation about Revelation chapter 7, the the nation of Israel and the promises of God for each of us. And we are jumping into chapter 7 of Revelation, the continuation of our Revelation series called The Big Reveal. And with chapter seven, there is lots to dive into here. Yeah, that is, um, so I was, uh, if you're listening today, I was out of town last Sunday and I was super bummed because I wanted, like Revelation seven, is, mm-hmm. I was kind of looking forward to for a while. So we're actually going to do it again this Sunday, but it's so good that we had to bring in the big guns, both of them with Donna and Tracy together <laughs> because... I mean, Donna, you didn't you? You've said you've written almost to have enough to have a book about this, right? Well, on on Israel, Israel. I have, in there. I've written several chapters, yes, for an upcoming book on Israel yeah. itself. 
which I, so that, yeah, you're bringing up the right point, which is we get into this chapter immediately and we see that there's 144,000 and it gives one from each of the tribes of Israel, mm-hmm. which kind of begs the question, um, is this really literally Jewish people, right? Because there are people who say that. And there are some people who are uh, really smart people who say that it is uh, not, that it is metaphorical on that. So I have two questions that we're going to start with. One, is it literally, do we believe it literally is Jewish people? And uh, the second question is, why does it matter? I I believe they are Jewish men, to be specific. Tracy? Yes, I agree. I believe this is literal... Jewish believers. Yeah. Because in in the Bible, the tribes are the tribes and the church is the church. And that continues to be the same even in the New Testament. They, you, we actually read about tribes even in the New Testament. Uh, Paul was of the tribe of Benjamin. Saul was of the tribe of Benjamin. That's mentioned in Romans as well. There's, I think there's 24 instances where the word tribe or tribes is used in the New Testament, and it's used beginning in Revelation 1 and all through to Revelation 21. So we know that the tribes are different than the church. Yeah, the the thing that I think when I see this that matters to me is when I see the Jewish people represented in the book of Revelation, the future, like that gives me a lot of hope in the promises of God. Um, he made, is it four out of five promises? Am I getting that right? It's four out of five promises to Abraham that were unconditional. There's one that has an if in it, but the others are. Um, I, I, well, I don't know that. I thought all of his promises to Abraham were conditional. The ones to Moses, uh, oh, um, to, to Abraham were unconditional. The ones to Moses, Moses were conditional because God says to Abraham 12 times, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will do this. And in the covenant with that he made with um, Moses, it was, if you, mm. if you do this, yeah. if you do this, but if you don't, <laughs> there's... So he was saying, if you do this, there's all these blessings. That's from Deuteronomy Deuteronomy 28. If you don't, if you disobey, it's all sorts of curses. The thing that makes me, uh, and I don't know where I got that four out of five. Maybe it's just four out of five dentists. like (laughs) Surveyed. Four out of five Jewish people choose dentine gum. Uh, But to me, that's a big deal that if God made a promise specifically to Abraham about his descendants that if we can just switch out and say, well, that was just metaphor. Um, that's it's kind of bait and switch, but it's also kind of um, cowardly. I mean, it's like if God did either say what he meant and meant what he said, or didn't he? And like Tracy and all the research and the studying that you've done, like where, like where have you come down on this and, and why? So I do believe there is God's relationship with Israel, and he had made promises to them beginning with Abraham. And then when they rejected Jesus as their Messiah, that 
God took that opportunity to say, okay, I'm going to put my time with you specifically on hold. And he opened up the opportunity for all people to come to him through Jesus. And it doesn't mean that he rejected his people as they rejected his son. It simply means he took the opportunity to say, I'm going to press pause on my relationship with you. I'm going to set you aside and I'm going to allow my promise of blessing those um, to come through my son, not come through you as my people. And then he says, but I'll get back to you. Like he promises he's going to come back to Israel. That's what's so wonderful about Revelation. It's the rest of the story when it comes to mm -hmm. God's dealing with his people, Israel. It's, it's that last uh, week, Daniel's 70th week is what we see in Revelation. And in Isaiah, and I, I don't know the verse right off the top of my head, but in Isaiah, uh, God says, I have made you a light unto the Gentiles. And they were the ones who were supposed to spread his word throughout the world. But then we know that they, the Jews rejected Jesus. In Matthew 21, Jesus cursed the fig tree. The fig tree was symbolic of Israel, as was the olive tree, uh, the vine, figs in the Bible. He cursed that fig tree in Matthew 21. And he said, I am taking the kingdom away from you, and I am giving it to another people who will bear fruit. Well, who are those people? We are. It's the Gentiles. It's anyone who's a non-Jew. And he gave it to them. So the fig tree was was cursed. It was barren. The land was barren physically, and they were they are spiritually barren still to this day. But in Revelation 7, we see where from Isaiah, where he says, I'm going to make you a light unto the Gentiles. We see those 144,000 fulfilling that original uh, promise that God said, this is what I'm making you. I'm making you a light unto the Gentiles. Mo, when you... Um in the world that you and I both grew up in and around, this was pretty actually pretty important um, when it came to prophecy and that. Like when you think about it in our day and age right now, like what what is important about us believing that this is literal Jewish people versus metaphor? Well, I think it just gives validity to. The Old Testament specifically. I think I think one thing that that we've lost maybe in um, modern Christianity in the in the United States or in the Western world is this notion that the Old Testament is no longer relevant, that it's that it has no significance, that it's something of of old, that that the New Testament is where everything should hinge upon. But that's that's not something that I believe. And I don't think that's something that anyone in this room believes. I just think there's there's a validity that that happens because of this that's backed up. Like it's talked about in Revelation. It's very specific, and it's all drawn specifically from the Old Testament. And I just the, the fact that that the Old Testament and the New Testament work in concert together, especially in the Book of Revelation, I think just. It, it empowers us and gives it just gives so much validity to the claims being made. Yeah. Yeah, I think about it in terms of if I was in uh, a church that John might have been pastoring back in the day that got one of these letters, like what would I have thought when I got the letter? Like how would I have read it? Um, 
obviously, I think the gospel is so infinite, right, that it's theologians have studied it for centuries and so simple that a child could understand it. But if you just read this and thought, I'm a Jewish person, I'm a Christian in Rome, whatever, Gentile, but I'm reading this and I see these tribes of Israel, I'm not going to think about, okay, I wonder what the guy at seminary is, is saying about this. It's just that just seems super, you know, super obvious of how that would have come across to them. Mm-hmm. And I personally, uh, it actually bolsters my faith. Um, because if we, if we establish that God is all-powerful, right, that he's omnipotent, uh, the, the king of all kings, right, the, 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 the name above every name, which is what this book tells us in Revelation, it would be really helpful to know if he's good. Um, just because he's all-powerful doesn't mean he's good. Um, just because he's all-powerful doesn't mean he's trustworthy. But when you see one from every tribe, um, you see 12,000, is it literal 12,000? I, I tend to think it is too, by the way. Uh, then that bolsters my faith to say, okay, but he is good because he made a promise to a guy mm-hmm. named Abraham who believed and it was counted unto him as righteousness. Mm-hmm. Um, Abraham, who was a friend of God, that his promises are like solid. You know, the, in, in, in the music days, we used to, um, I don't know, because I mean, obviously Troy still dabbles a little bit in, in uh, Donna's husband in the music industry. Mo and I are both a part of a 12-step recovery program. <laughs> Which step are we on, do you think? We're on, what is the one where you make amends? <laughs> <laughs> I booked some Dakota Motor Company shows in the 90s wow. that I'm still having to probably make some amends for. But um, if God's promises are as they're as good as his willingness to back them up. So Mo and I, uh, in the 12-step recovery program of the music industry, are on the ones where we're making amends. Um, it's going to be a while, but, uh, when I used to do contracts with my art, did you do contracts with your artists? I did. You did. I'm glad I did. Yeah, you did. Actually, that's true. Depending on who's listening to this, you're really (laughs) glad. Um, I came to a point where I, I would do a contract with the first artist or the first one I first signed him. But after that, I would just do a handshake deal. Cause at first I'm like, okay, I'm going to do a whole bunch of work for nothing. All right. And the only time I'm going to get paid is if this actually works. And I'm, you know, I put the entire financial well-being of my family into the hands of a 19-year-old bass player, which right. is not the best business model. But the reason that I ultimately didn't do contracts after that was a contract is only as good as the person's willingness to litigate it or to back it up. And if I'm a good manager and they're a good band, right, then we're, we can trust each other's word. But if you're not, like there were certainly artists who shall remain nameless that I did demand a contract with because I didn't know if I could trust them. When I see that he kept his word over thousands of years to a guy named Abraham, he had no, I mean, Abraham did some dumb stuff, right? So if, if anybody, he's like, you know what, this was a really bad idea, so we're, we're going to back out on this. But he didn't because he keeps his word. And because of that, then I know that his promise to me, you know, Jesus' words that, you know, I'm, you're safe in my hands and no one's going to snatch you from them, that those are promises that I can count on. And I, I wish I could remember who said it because I would give him credit. But if it's true for the Jew then it's true for you. So I look at this as not only metaphor uh, of this, it's not metaphor, but it's important that it's not metaphor because I can trust his promises. He's good. He's powerful. He's almighty. He's a name above every name, and he's going to keep his words. And the covenant that he made with Abraham was one-sided because Abraham was sleeping. He was asleep. 
when God made that covenant, when they, he said, bring That's me. That's a good deal, cause, isn't it? Because Abraham even said, how do I know I'm going to possess this land? And God said, bring me the animals. And he listed all these animals. And they did the sacrifice. And normally back then when the covenant was made, the two parties would go through the sacrificed animals. But Abraham was sleeping. God. That's a him, really good point. Yeah, God made him sleep. And it was just God who passed through in the form of a smoking fire pot. He was the only one. Because it was on him, the covenant was on him. Right, that it wasn't, still is. Huh. It wasn't on God, on Abraham's faithfulness. It's all on God. Wow. I'm reminded of in Jeremiah when God is promising future um, fulfillment for Israel. He says to them in chapter 31, verse 35. It says, "Thus says the Lord, who gives sun for light by day and fixed order of the moon and the stars for light by night." who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If this fixed order departs from before me, then the offspring of Israel will cease from being a nation. He's using his creation as confirmation of his promise. And he's saying, as long as you see the stars, as long as you see um, the oceans, as long as everything is intact, that's that's how you can trust me is because I've kept that in order. I'm going to keep my promise to you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he not only made that promise with Abraham, he then made it with his son and then with his grandson as well. And when the original promise was was made, Abraham said, oh, that Ishmael might be before you. Right. Isaac wasn't even born yet. And God said, no. Hmm. No, it's not Ishmael. I will make my covenant through your son, who will, by the way, be born this time next year <laughs> with your wife, mm -hmm. Sarah. But it was not through Ishmael, who was the father of the Arabs. But God, in his goodness, he said, I, I will bless him. I have blessed him. I am I'm going to make him into a great nation. And when you think about, think about the Arab nations and how blessed they have been. What, there's like 450 million Arabs and there's 14 million Jews? Yeah, God's been very faithful to his promise to Abraham and, bless, and blessing Ishmael's Yeah, because sons. if you look also to where all of the oil in the world is mm -hmm. concentrated and the wealth of it, right? It's mm -hmm. inside of most of, of those nations. Right. Um, and I love it, too, because there's promises in, um, even specifically about Lebanon, even, but, you know, of that... God is going to honor that as well. Like they, they are part of the, the, we could be grafted in if we will receive, which is interesting. You bring up Isaac, uh, right? Uh, Ishmael and Hagar and that whole scene, because that is exactly um, what, when you, when you look at Islam, what, what happened. So if you're listening right now and you don't understand where Islam even came from, a, a prophet named Muhammad has a vision about 600 years after Jesus was on the earth. Uh, in much the same way Mormonism, in much the way, same way other religions, he has this new revelation, this new idea. But in his revelation, it's literally reversed. So in his revelation, Ishmael was the one that was chosen and mm -hmm. Isaac was the one that wasn't. So even inside of Islam, they would acknowledge that there was an Isaac and there was an Ishmael. Um, they would say that it was him. Now, I would say that uh, if you, and this is not me just making this up, you go back and look at even how uh, when Islam, the history of that Muhammad's wife was the one that pressed him to, that this was something, this was real. Muhammad woke up and thought, uh, this was demonic, <laughs> and I need to, mm. but his wife pressed him into it, and um, and it's just interesting. In fact, almost the whole way through, you could see the story almost completely reversed, 
throughout Islam and through the Quran. It's like it's uh, there's an episode of Seinfeld uh, where sorry where Bizarro Jerry. It's like literally the exact opposite of you know up is down, down is up. It's like Bizarro Jesus, like um, Isaac is Ishmael, right? Abraham. Anyway, but that even in that, I think to me in my mind, part of why this is important is that even in the uh, the depths of hell, Satan knew that this mattered uh, and did everything to stop. Uh, you go all the way back to Egypt uh, with Joseph. You know, when what? There was maybe 70 people that was Israel. Mm-hmm. And Satan wanted to wipe them off the face of the earth then. And then they get into Egypt and he wants to wipe them off the face of the earth. And the entire story of Israel is a story of enemies wanting to crush them and to destroy them and wipe them off the face of the earth. Because if Satan could interrupt that plan, uh, he could destroy the promise of God. Cause him to break his promise. Tracy, you've got your Bible open, which means you've got something, no? Well, I'm just always reminded of um, 2 Timothy, where Paul says, when we are faithless, he is faithful. Mm-hmm. And so just going back to to Abraham, it it didn't require Abraham to do anything. God made the promise, and, and as Abraham wavered, as we see Jacob waver, um, God was still faithful to what he promised them, and it's as true for us today. And as we waver or as we find, you know, our, our questioning and our doubts, God is still faithful. When you think about it from that perspective, especially right now in the world we're in, that's really helpful to me to know that that kind of faithfulness is there because Israel has survived against mm-hmm. all odds. Mm-hmm. Um, if if I'm wrong about this, someone can certainly email me and correct me, but they were the most, are the most uh, persecuted, oppressed people in the history that is continuous, you know, a contiguous thread mm-hmm. all throughout the history of the, Israel, uh, the Israeli people have been persecuted, have been, you know, whether it was the Amalekites, right, or whether it's modern day Iran, there has been people constantly trying to wipe them off the mm-hmm. face of the earth and they just won't die. I know, I, I'm terribly paraphrasing here, but I think it was Mark Twain who said, they have survived with one arm tied behind their back, Yeah, <laughs> which is true. If, when you when you look at their history, right, they have survived. Two out of three were killed in the Holocaust. Which, that's a mind blowing mm-hmm. number, mm-hmm. like two thirds. And when you think about it, I mean Hitler comes to power, and it's just ha- he, any people group on the planet. It just happened to be again the Jewish people. And I would say uh, what I'm fascinated by is when you look at the extreme wings of whether it's left or right uh, in our modern political scene, the extreme right and the extreme left both have one thing in common, and it is anti-Semitism. When you see some of those uh, folks at Charlottesville that were doing what they were doing, they've got a very anti-Semitic motive in it. And when you get to the extreme left, right? Omar, uh, our, our politicians, um, we, we see them represented in a lot of modern day news, is again a very anti Semitic uh, tone to it all, which I think it just, you know, you hear the Bible talk about familiar spirits. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that's that's nothing new. Satan's been around. That's still his plan. Uh, started probably from the very moment when God made the promise to Abraham. He's like, okay, that's an idea. Let's go after that one. We, um, Donna, we, like the okay, the, you're writing a book, so you don't have to give it away. Um, what? Why is Dan missing from this? Can we just ask that question? Does anybody know? Like we're reading this. There's 144,000, and Dan is missing. Right. There's actually, uh, Ed Joseph is listed there, and who's the other name? Uh, Manasseh is listed. Manasseh is listed there, right. And uh, Manasseh and Ephraim. Oh, Ephraim's not there, right? Right. And Manasseh Manasseh is there. So it's Manasseh and, uh, oh gosh, Mo, I'm so sorry. You're going to have to cut that out too. It's Ephraim and Dan who are are left out, who are left out of this particular list. Uh, Manasseh and Ephraim were Joseph's sons. And so Joseph and Manasseh are on this list. So inadvertently, I guess Dan is kind of represented there with his father, Joseph. Dan fell into idolatry, and he's, that tribe's never actually mentioned in the New Testament. Like I said, they mentioned Saul from the tribe of Benjamin, Paul's from the tribe of Benjamin. They mentioned Anna and Simeon, Jesus from particular tribes. Uh, Dan is not mentioned at all in the New Testament. So you have to suggest that God is very angry with the tribe of Dan because they fell into idolatry. Dan didn't even settle where the Lord told them to. They actually moved to the northern part of the country near Syria, the border of Syria, where is where the um, fallen angels fell in the area called Bashan. Bashan. I think we're going to go with Bashan. <laughs> Submit that to the jury. I'm not sure, but that's where they fell, and that's where they ended up um, settling, and they ended up being nomadic. They said they just kept moving moving around, but they're listed a few times in the Old Testament and never in a good way. Even um, his father, if you remember in Genesis 49, was it, when he was giving his prophecies for his 12 sons, he told Dan, he said, you're going to be a serpent on the side of the road that bites people. Mm. That's uplifting. Not a compliment. <laughs> That's not a compliment, no. So the tribe of Dan is just li- is left out of this list. Interesting. Donna, in your studies, what have you figured out about all that? Well, I'm Tracy. So <laughs> I, um, it's what's interesting, which I'd heard the same thing. I hadn't done extensive research. I... I Everything that Donna said, I've read and I've seen. But what I found interesting in just some reading I was trying to do over the last few days is in that same uh, place in Genesis 49 where Jacob is blessing all of the sons, he says Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. And so there are some people, I don't know where I land on this, who say, the reason Dan isn't listed in the 12 tribes in Revelation is those are like witnesses or servants where Dan is here called a judge and you can't be a judge and a witness. So perhaps Dan has something else that that, that tribe or, or persons from that tribe will do um, at the end times. I I don't have a solid like conviction about why Dan isn't there. When, when we talk about it being because of their idolatry, I just, I'm reminded of Hosea and 
God is saying Israel is like this harlot who keeps leaving me and I keep going back and they keep leaving and I keep going back and I just get nervous when I start thinking that the idolatry that Dan committed is severe enough for him to be left off the list. I'll just yeah. say it like that. So here's an interesting side note to that. I think it's Revelation 19, but there's at the end of Revelation, the 12 tribes are mentioned and Dan mm -hmm. is back. So whatever that is, um, he's back and mm -hmm. his people are back, which again, God's grace and maybe this 144,000 is is an elevated role. It's a special role that that these uh, men are given. And Dan's just not able to do that. It doesn't mean that he's yeah. not going to be there at the end, to your point, but it's just not for this particular yeah. role. Or they couldn't find 12,000 <laughs> right, from that particular right. tribe. Huh. It could be fewer, fewer could than be that. could be fewer than that. Right. Mm -hmm. That's a fascinating thought. I mean, that's... It, 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 the beautiful thing about it ultimately is that it doesn't ultimately doesn't matter right. because we don't know, but we do know that whatever it'll be, it'll be awesome. And that um, even like with Moses, what, you know, you know, God told Moses, you can't go into the promised land, but who was it that showed up on the Mount of Transfiguration mm -hmm. right with Jesus in the promised land? It's Moses. Like God is so aggressive with his grace <laughs> for those that believe and trust in him that, mm -hmm. um, that you're right. There is no nothing that would be so extreme that would not overcome the blood of Jesus. Every drop mattered of that blood, and it's all perfectly there. Pop quiz: Does anyone know the most famous Danite? Samson. Oh yeah, Samson. Uh, Samson. I'm the idiot that Donna raises her hand <laughs> in a podcast. <laughs> well, I'm the idiot. Samson. Yes, Samson, who was a total moral failure. Exactly. Basically, but even. And his failures, God still used him right. there at the end. So let's take this from this perspective, because here, um, in the next few verses in heaven, so here on earth are these 12 um, tribes, 12,000 people. Um, I've heard Chuck Smith and Chuck Missler, these guys refer to them as like 144,000 Jewish Billy Grahams that mm -hmm. are, you know, preaching the gospel. Mm -hmm. Um so, so I do believe that that's literal. I do believe that they're there, and I believe that it matters. And I do believe that when you when you replace them in replacement theology, um, I mean, you look at the end of Martin Luther's life. Uh, he wrote some really great stuff on the first half, but boy, that last ten uh, percent when he, he there's stuff that uh, the, the, the Lutherites would like to forget that mm -hmm. he wrote. When you're being quoted by Hitler, right? You've got some issues. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, th I, I guess I want to be on record as saying that I think that replacement theology is damnable, um, that, that it has been used as a weapon um, from the kingdom of darkness. And, you know, as our friend Catherine Vanderbeek said, it's not that we elevate the Jewish people. Um, she says, uh, my Jewish friend, she says, it's actually the exact opposite. We're not a very kind people. <laughs> like, we're not, like, with nothing to be elevated but that speaks even more of God's promises and his grace and his goodness. So it's not that we elevate the Israeli people, it's that we elevate God. And to me, that's such a gift for us uh, in, our, in, our, in our walk with him. But when we bring this to a modern day lens on it, some stuff has been in the news. Um, last year, the deal of the century uh, with Donald Trump. And then uh, it didn't get a lot, honestly, it didn't get a lot of news when Saudi Arabia uh, opened up um, trade routes with Israel, but then there's a couple weeks ago the UAE 
uh, is make a deal with Israel. There's a, a peace treaty in place. And immediately the internet starts blowing up. Is this the one? Is this the, is this the peace thing? Is, you know, I guess that makes Donald Trump the Antichrist, which I guess there's about half of America that would, would, be, would sign right up for that. But uh, when you think of that, guys, like, is this the deal that the, uh, the, that the Antichrist is making? I've had other people ask me that as well. It's an interesting question. We don't know. Uh, there were the deals that was made with Egypt and Jordan in mm-hmm. previous years as well, which were peace deals between those countries and Israel. Maybe there'll be some sort of formation between those deals and this one with the United Arab Emirates. Now they're saying that Sudan is kind of interested in Sudan? peace. Yeah, which is Who do you make shocking. a deal with in Sudan? Like- yeah, even uh, Mike Pompeo flew over there this week, I believe, to... To open discussions about that. Really? Mm-hmm. Wait, so he to open up between Sudan and, and Israel? Israel. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, so I saw Ben to the border of Sudan. Yeah. Like, I don't even know if you make a deal with there because it's like a little bit. It's not quite Somalia, but there's, you know, uh, there's two governments. There's mm-hmm. South Sudan, North Sudan, but interesting. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't yeah. mean to. I'm they just fascinated by that. They seem completely antagonistic to, is, to Israel, but. Yeah, they are. You know. Who knows? But I just keep going back to uh, Genesis 12, where God says, I'll bless those who bless you, and I'll curse those who curse you. And every time these U.S. presidents think that they have found a way to make peace, it always involves giving up yes. part of the land, somehow, uh-huh. some way. And there's always something that happens. There's some sort of remedial judgment that comes out of that. And there are many people who would say, oh, no, 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 that's just a coincidence. But they're just way too—the incidences are way too specific for them to be a coincidence. In, in 1991, President Bush I attempted to divide the land in exchange for peace in the Madrid Peace Conference, if you remember you know, that. I, I, here's what I remember about that is when he did that— um, all over the news were images of Jewish families being pulled out of their homes by force. Uh, wasn't that second? Did president? I get this? I get George the, W. Oh, you're. Oh, you're talking. Oh, I'm talking about number one. Okay, sorry. The first George. See, when you get to the first, can we make George. a new rule with presidents that you can't have the same name? Right. Exactly. Sorry, go go. I know, but I I remember those images too. Yeah. But yeah, no. The fir- the first uh, President Bush. It was the Madrid Peace Conference. He was going to attempt to divide the land. And that very, it was at the very day or the, no, it was the very next day, a huge rare storm formed and they called it the perfect storm. If you remember the book. I do. Sebastian the, Younger. Yes. The book and the movie that formed out of this and these huge 30 foot waves crashed upon the homes of Kenny Bunkport, Maine. And there goes okay. President Bush's. Wait, back home. up, back up, back up. Wow. So, I, I, the, the Perfect Storm is written by one of my favorite authors, a guy named Sebastian Younger, who is a, a war correspondent, um, total humanist, probably complete pagan, but great writer. Mm-hmm. He didn't cover that part. So, you're saying that that storm coalesced with. Yes. Fascinating. Correct. And I don't I don't know anything about uh, storms or anything like that. But they said it was a rare storm because it was moving east to west. Oh. So I feel like Mo would know this stuff. 
Mo's got he's got his phone right now. Do you have the weather app open? <laughs> right, he's got something open over there. Yeah. But yeah. but it, and it, it devastated his Kenny Bunkport main home. It the foundation was there, but it ripped out the walls, the furniture, the memorabilia. Everything it was just washed away. And then he had a great idea. He thought, well, I'm going to try it again. He tried it the very next year. He tried the Madrid Peace Deal Part 2, and that was in 1992. And on that very same day of August 23rd, uh, Hurricane Andrew struck. And again, there are many people who say, no, 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 that's just coincidence. But God is specific in his word. I'll curse those who curse you. I'll bless those who bless you and those who will divide my land from from Joel. He, he really takes issue with that. But... You're, you were talking about George W. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. From the Gaza Strip when he was, yes, yes. when they were taking Which the Jewish was, people. Oh, you know, and, and I, look, the world is full of heartbreak, and so I get that. But we were literally watching Jewish families being pulled by force by their own force, you know, troops and stuff out of their homes. Um, let me ask you this question. Let's just ask it, and, uh, and we may have to edit this out, depending on if this is too controversial or not. Trump's deal of the century definitely involved giving up land. Mm -hmm. And that was January. That was in January. 2020. Mm -hmm. And he was impeached in February. In February. And the coronavirus. In March. In March. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if that's a coincidence or not. I I, I remember. Uh, so here's the thing. I, and, and I, if Catherine, if you happen to be listening to this, you can certainly correct me. In Israel, there's still, they still hold a high uh, respect to him. I mean, there was actually, there's a place up in the Golan Heights called Trump Heights. Um, mm -hmm. He moved the um, embassy to Jerusalem, which is fat. Every president, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, from Obama, Clinton, Bush, they all promised they were going to move the embassy to Jerusalem. And Trump, he just did what he said he was going to do, which was fascinating. So they loved him for that. You know, I went and we got our picture made in front of the embassy there with me and Jason and uh, but then, I mean, there's a part of me that just wonders, is this part of that with God that he went and overplayed his hand with, this is pure speculation, you don't have to commit to this, but is it a coincidence that like his presidency has literally been tr just trashed since trying to, because it was, the, the deal he was making was giving up an enormous amount mm -hmm. of security for Israel. Sure, right. Yeah, I, I, I totally believe that because God says, I don't care who you are. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you are. You're touching the apple of my eye. He calls it my land over and over in scripture. You're touching my land. Yeah. And who do you think you are in all your pride and your hubris to come up against me? But and you you left out the, the race riots. Do you yeah, remember yeah. we yeah, mentioned yeah. COVID and then the race riots hit? And we've not been back on track since. And in 2005, when George W. with his peace plan that he had come up with and removing the Jewish people from the Gaza, Gaza Strip. Again, it was either that day or the very next day, a little storm started brewing and um, meteorologists like Mo were watching it. And they said, they said, oh, the U.S. has nothing to worry about. This isn't going to be anything. It's not going to develop. Well, not only did it develop, they thought it was going to hit Florida, but it took a turn and just went steamrolled over uh, New Orleans mm. and Katrina. You know, mm. and this again, is all, this is all incredibly relevant. I mean, Pompeo just 
last night at the Republican National Convention stated stated this. He made this statement. He was just praising Trump um, for his foreign policies, including the deal that you're referring to, saying, uh, moving the U.S. Embassy in Israel to the very city of God, Jerusalem, the rightful capital of the Jewish homeland, which, which is said by the Secretary of State of the United States just yesterday. Which, uh, for those of you listening later, would be August 25th, 2020, if you are catching this down the line. But yeah, that was, that was a, I mean, that's a big deal. I, I, I guess, um, I don't know, when I think back to the deal of the century, there was definitely, I, I'm not sure if some people thought maybe he's bluffing, um, because there's definitely land, like in Jordan, there's land that, you know, that, that right now is still disputed territory. And, um, but I don't know. I, when I read that and saw it, it definitely hit me weird. Mm -hmm. um, and who knows, right, if, if this is a part of it. But, man, uh, it sure has been a rough year in the United States. Right, right. <laughs> and a when, really rough year for Trump. When I heard it in January, I thought, this is not going to end well for right. us. It's just not. Hmm. You can't do that. And I just wanted to reiterate your point about God saying it's my land. He had uh, Judah taken captive for 70 years to let the land rest. Right. He said, mm -hmm. you have not been observing the Sabbath in my land, and so I need the land to rest. So that's how much God is protecting his land is he drove all his people out because he needed his land protected. Mm -hmm. So it is... He cares as much about the land as he does his people. And you know what I find interesting, I think about this quite often, is that there are 6,000 stateless nation states, which is what the Palestinians are. They are a nation state without a nation. There are 6,000 of them. Mm. And we only hear about one. And of those 6,000, so many of them are much, much bigger. The Kurds, 25 yeah. to 35 million of them, yeah. and they don't have a home. Yeah. There's, there's a nation state in um, Nigeria. It's like 70 million. Again, they don't, they don't have a home. But we never hear about any of these people. We only hear about the Palestinians, and we're going to continue to hear about the Palestinians because God's Word says that in the end, everyone, all nations are going to come against Israel. And how are they going to do that? Well, this is part of it yeah. because people see the Palestinians and think that the Jewish people are merely occupying the land. They don't have ownership to the land. And this keeps driving this wedge of hate, not only in that part of the world, but across the world. When you were talking about coincidences, uh, it just reminded me of Joel, the book of Joel mm -hmm. with the locusts. And uh, Joel says in chapter 2, verse 1, sound an alarm. Like, I am trying to get your attention mm -hmm. here. I'm trying to draw your attention back to me. And so, no, there's no coincidences right. in all this. And from the beginning, this is with the COVID thing. It's all just been political. Everybody makes it so political instead of saying, no, this is what God's Word says. There are... There are repercussions for disobeying his word, and this is what has happened. Yeah. There's a, an interesting, when you, say, when you put it that way, you know, with that lens on it a little bit, you know, when you think about the passive wrath of God, which is turning you over to your own uh, delusions, which I guess 
Paul, Paul talked about in the Thessalonian letter, but um, so much has not made sense um, th in that alone. That, okay, is this part of that, that this is the madness of it to, to a world that, um, because when you look at the, the, the places that are really paying the biggest price right now, the United States, of course, mm -hmm. uh, the UN has not been friendly to Israel uh, even a little bit. Mm. Um, and you could start listing a lot of those nations and how they've treated Israel and certainly all of them. And, and it, you know, is it possible uh, there's more than one thing going on? Yeah, always with God, there's always one thing. So it's not to say that, hey, because we cursed this, that the whole world is, on the other hand, it is, you know, absolutely true to say that this is us saying rejecting God's plan in general, which includes Israel, rejecting his plan, his lordship in general, that when you decide this is how we're going to live, we're going to do it on our own, this is the result of it. Mm. Um, we, we were, uh, before we started recording, and I can't remember if it was you, Tracy or Don, that was talking about uh, Dr. Burks saying that uh, she was afraid that people are getting hope now. Because why? Well, they're, they're feeling more comfortable because 99% of the people get better. Yeah. And she was couching that in negative terms. Right, there was a pejorative from her, but I was thinking, <laughs> no, she's right. Like, we, I do feel a little better about that. Right. Like, I'm, I'm sad, right, that there's there's sickness and death. Mm -hmm. We live in Genesis 3 world, so I'm sad that about that a lot. But I was thinking, that's a delusion, because, yes, that's a really good news. Like, mm -hmm. that should be the front page story. Right. Like, Wow. Let's protect the vulnerable, but but no, um, our top medical you know advisor is saying, well, this is oh, you're getting too comfortable. It's uh, <laughs> too many people getting well. Right, ninety nine percent of you. <laughs> Actually, you said it was over that. It was yeah. over the ninety nine percent. Yeah, it is. I mean, that's um, you won't see that in any MSNBC headline or whatever. But it is, uh, and especially with age, especially. I mean, when you talk about zero to ten years old, ten to twenty, mm -hmm. twenty to thirty. Um, it's literally, when they say it's not the flu, it's not the flu. Thank God it's not the flu because the flu kills children. Um, and here's why I feel like we can talk more confidently is because we're in, we're in September. You know, this all kind of started in January globally. Huh. We're in September. I mean, next week is September. And so we have nine months worth of data now. The first nine weeks, we, you know, it was, it was reasonable to be, Maybe yes. fearful or, or, or you know, unsure. Um, but we have nine months worth of data now. And so when we say these things, it's not, you know, we're not just pulling numbers out and just making things up or guessing. Like this is, this is a lot of data that's been computated at yeah. this point. Yeah, you're right. And it's probably worth it because I'm not just talking out of my neck. Like, these numbers are legitimate there. It's not a question of if, and you could literally pull up the, just go to, if you're in Tennessee, just go to the Tennessee numbers and do the math on it. And that is even with them not getting everybody positive that's been tested positive, And it's still at a, at a dramatically low number. So, but that said, uh, here we are in this world and whether it's uh, this or not, there's certainly reason to wonder if what, you know, if, if the world is specifically the United States uh, is in this position because of some policies that are unfortunate. And if you're a, if you're a Trump fan or you're a Trump not fan, whatever, you know, do with that what you will. But you're right. God didn't say it's whoever it is. Mm, well, there's been a long list of presidents who have yeah. who have tried this. They've all been able to oh figure out peace in the Middle East. And we have suffered the consequences right. since then. But when we talk about 
God's covenant with Abraham, you know, he told him three times it was an everlasting covenant. Hmm. And even in the book of Psalms, he says that that covenant is forever. It's, it's everlasting. And the Bible says that God doesn't lie. He doesn't renege on his yeah. promises. Thank, thank God for that, right? Because right? if he does, we're all in trouble because yes. our covenant with Jesus is, what, flimsy at best if he uh-huh. reneges on that. Yeah, the when I think to uh, I've been a Christian for much of my adult life, and um, before I understood that grace and that level of promise from Him, I spent a lot of time in fear uh, because of that. Did I sin too much? Is there did I go too far or the unpardonable sin? I mean, people a lot of you know have gotten down that road in their minds and their hearts, and but when you see this promise here it gave me so much peace to understand that the work and what you said about he, that he abraham was asleep i'd actually never seen that before mm-hmm. that's a it's a beautiful promise so i'm going to do all the work you rest mm-hmm. and abraham wakes up and he believed and it was counted unto him as righteousness and that's such a, a I, don't know, I, I find so much hope in that um something i wanted to ask here uh we're at the 47 minute mark and Paul says something in Romans that I'm absolutely fascinated by. Because you're, you're reading through Romans, and it's the story of salvation. Romans 1, 2, 3, you know, the Romans wrote of salvation. And, of course, right in the middle of that, there's this, what seems like a, a break, uh, where he starts talking about Israel. Mm, like Romans 9? Yeah, 9, Romans 10, 9, 11. 10, and 11. Mm-hmm. And it's not like he, if you if you read it in the context of it, he, he doesn't take a break from the gospel. It is the gospel. But then he goes on to say that in Romans 11, when he's talking about Israel and the promises of it, that all of Israel will be saved. If you guys were to guess what he meant, no no commitments, right? No, um, we don't know this. Or that. Like, what do you think he meant by that? This is one of those questions we did not prep for ahead of time, but I've just... I, we don't prep ahead. Of, we don't. You don't. Pre- we don't have questions prepped ahead of time. Okay, like four of them this time. <laughs> um, so I'll take my first stab at it. Um, just just to give you a little background, when I first came across this verse, or or one time when I was coming across this verse, and I was like, wow, because the book I read my morning reading out of it doesn't have any notes or commentary or anything like that. It, it's just it's just the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that, it's just the Word of God. It's right. the Word of God. It's wonderful. But it doesn't have any of the extra stuff with it. So I thought, I, I wonder what teachers and scholars are saying about this verse. So I go to another Bible, and I open it up, and I read it, and it says, this verse means all Israel, all Jews will be saved. And I was like, wow, that's really interesting. And I went to another Bible, and I went to the same place, and I looked it up, and it said, this verse does not mean literally all Jews will be saved. So right there, just in these two Bibles in my home, there are differing opinions on it. Yeah. Um, my, my standpoint when it comes to the Word of God is I, I read it first literally before I do any other anything else with it and so not like I'm putting a flag in the yard or anything but I believe it's literal today you know, I do and it's Romans 9 where 
Isaiah is quoted, and it said that though the sons of Israel be as vast as the number of the sand of the sea, something like that, it says only a remnant will be saved. So I've always thought that it says that all would be that remnant because it, it talks about in Matthew 24, Jesus says when the abomination of desolation is set up in Luke 21, when Jerusalem is surrounded by armies and he tells them to flee, he tells them to get out and to flee. I do believe that is the remnant that is fleeing mm. and they're going to go to some safe place. Some A lot of people say Petra, where the Lord is going to protect them. And I think it's that remnant that Isaiah is talking about. And, you know, getting back to the 144,000, they're the first of the remnant. They're mm. called the first fruits in Revelation 7. Hmm. So they're the first of the of that particular remnant of the Jews. The the part of Romans 11 that I uh that I love the most is that that is where the the verse it's uh, verse 29 for the gifts mm-hmm. and his call are irrevocable. Mm-hmm. Um I used to think that meant like if you were called to be a preacher or whatever, that the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. So you're, you know, he's not going to change his mind. And, and there may be some truth in that, but that's not what it was. The context, the context is that I made a promise to Israel. Mm-hmm. I made a promise to Abraham. And as far as the gospel, Romans uh, eleven twenty eight, and this is when you think about Paul writing this, this would have been probably like him writing, if I were writing it about like a modern day, just to try to put a lens on it, like a modern day Muslim, they were trying to, you know, kill him. They were not kind to him at all mm. in that day. And and by the way, still in, in that way, I was in Israel in March and there's this wonderful Christian painter whose store is in the old city, but in the Jewish quarter. And it's very dangerous for him to have his painting store there as a Christian because he uh, because their stores get robbed or they get burned or they get mobbed. Again, so we put that in context. Paul was saying that as far as the gospel is concerned, they're enemies for your sake. Mm-hmm. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. For God's gifts and his calls are irrevocable. Just as you were one time disobedient to God, you have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience. Talking about what you were saying early on in this, that you know God said that they're taking a break on this. Mm-hmm. Um, so they too now have become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. For God has bound everyone over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. And Our temptation is to try to... Uh, reason through this and say, oh, well, it wouldn't be fair if all were saved because they had rejected or had done whatever. Or then we could also reason the other side, which would say, um, oh, you know, God says they all are. And if he says all, then he means all. And so we can find like a paradox in our reasoning on, on which side we're going to land on. And that's where I just go, his ways are higher. His mm. thoughts yeah, are yeah, higher. Yeah. Like even, it like it, it can't make sense to me. I can't comprehend it. Yeah, and Paul even says that after he's after he states what you just read. The next verses are verse thirty-three. Oh, the depth of the riches of both the wisdom and the knowledge of God! How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways <laughs> past finding out. In verse thirty-four, for who has known the mind of the Lord? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, I agree with Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Right, because who would think he'd use 144,000 Jews to preach Jesus? 
in the end times. Yeah. And that's what he does. And they are amazing people. If you just look at those few verses, they're supernaturally sealed. Nothing, no one can harm them. They can't be touched. They're they're seen at in at Mount Zion. They're standing there yeah. in the millennial kingdom with Jesus, and all 144,000 are counted for. And it wow. shows yeah, it shows it shows there. the number of people that are in heaven. And John's even told by the elders they came out of the great tribulation. It's the 144,000 who are going to be dispatched throughout the world preaching. It says, I mean, they follow the Lamb wherever He goes, is what it says. Yeah. And how cool is that, that even in this great tribulation period, that God's mercy is just still mm-hmm. being poured out. His, his, he's still drawing people to Him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's at one point we're going to see two angels flying through the air, preaching the gospel, the two prophets, you know, resurrected mm-hmm. uh, in front of everybody. And, um, and even in that, people are still raging against God. You know, the heathen rage and imagine a vain thing. But God's mercy, even in that, is still there. And it is so beautiful that he would, because, you know, Abraham is with him, right? Abraham's bosom, whatever, but he's still there. So Abraham would be watching his mm-hmm. descendants being redeemed mm-hmm. and playing a crucial um, and a critical role in, uh, in this future that we, that maybe sooner than we all think. Um, any closing thoughts from you guys as we're sort of circling to the last lap here? Um, we're, we're certainly going to get back into uh, some heavy stuff in the coming weeks, but like here we are, Revelation 7, Jewish Billy Grahams. Any last thoughts? I would just say it's good news that Jesus or that God is keeping his promise to his people, Israel. It's... It, when you read through the Old Testament and you see him again and again call back to them, uh, and then we see here in Revelation like they're indeed doing what he had asked them to do, uh, it's it's exciting. It it lifts my heart. It's um, it's it's very encouraging to me. In the midst of all of the darkness and the judgment that we see in Revelation, this is one of the bright spots for me. Just as a a, a Christian is someone who loves the Word of God, who loves to read about the story of God and His people. Um, I, I think this is just a bright spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And remember that God is faithful even when we are unfaithful. Um, Israel's disobedience didn't mean that it, it didn't mean that they were necessarily going to possess the land forever because obviously we know they were driven from it. Um, two times, <laughs> the last time they were driven into all nations, but that, but that God is so faithful. And it's the greatest miracle from the Bible is the fact that Israel is now a nation again. Yeah. In 1948, against all odds of 2,000 years of, of being um, controlled and by other government bodies right it was literally i mean they were they were occupying forces basically they did nothing to beautify the land they did nothing at all for two thousand years and then god said okay it's time and he lined up all the people in the right place at the right time and on may 14th 1948 they became a nation again and there's been no other nation in the history of the world that's that's ever had that happen wiped off the face of the earth Mm -hmm. and then miraculously like miraculously mm-hmm. brought back. And when you when you actually study the history of that, it's it's 
fascinating, and there is no other word except to say miraculous, yeah. how they became a nation again. Yeah, I've, every time I've read, there's several books, uh, too many to mention here, but of the stories that have come out of the wars of being surrounded on mm-hmm. all sides and the, like the miraculous salvation, you know, the, the tank, like 1,200 tanks, some Syrian tanks and against like 200. And uh, anyway, so many amazing stories of God's just miraculous power there. And Mo, what about you? Well, isn't that kind of the, the, the theme though is like redemption. And, and you talk about, Donna talks about his faithfulness and you talk about the exciting good news and the, the definition of the gospel is the good news. And there's this redemption that continues to play out all through scripture, all through history, even up to today, he's redeeming these things. Yeah. And, and there's hope in that, that he can still redeem you if you're listening. Yeah. I, I, when I, like my final parting shot is <laughs> the, the, so we see in these first few verses of revelation seven up through verse eight, uh, or I guess it's, I can't see cause my glasses it's, it's time for me to, by the way, I got to graduate to 1.5. The 1.25 <laughs> is just not cut it for me. I've already ordered them. Can I just make that confession? I ordered them yesterday. Um, that's the tribes of Israel right there. And again, what we saw from Paul writing in Romans 11, uh, there is that the Jewish people were very racist themselves against Gentiles. Mm-hmm. And, the very next verses here is this great multitude of every tribe, nation, and tongue. So if you are a Jewish believer in the first century reading this, first of all, you're going to see that, wow, we're, we're saved. <laughs> this is awesome. We're not, we're not going to be wiped off the face of the earth. Simultaneously going, but and what about all these other Gentiles? <laughs> like, they're going to be there too, because that is God's goodness and his promise. And when I think of the ultimate racial reconciliation of uh, perfect justice bringing perfect peace. That is what we're going to see. And I hold on to that with an enormous amount of hope. Even this week is another shooting has happened. And there's, you know, uh, friends of mine who are African-American are looking at like, when is this going to stop? Could we stop this now? Um, More riots are happening. And uh, the, because they're wanting the perfect justice. And this revelation, the book of Revelation is about perfect justice. And that perfect justice is going to bring a perfect peace because we are going to see every nation, tribe, and tongue standing side by side, which means Sudan, which we talked about, the northern mm-hmm. and the southern. There will be believers from both standing side by side. The Nigerian nation, those people, the Jesus people will be standing side by side with the Ottomans and with the Turks and with the Persians standing side by side in Christ because they'll have finally gotten the perfect justice, which brings perfect peace. So I, I take a lot of hope in that. Mo, if uh, someone's listening today, how can they find out more about us and find us online, all that stuff that, that we're supposed to do? Conduitchurch.com. That's the central hub for everything that we have online we can connect to our our facebook and our twitter and our instagram all through there Um, we try to keep it as updated as possible with with all the different things that we're doing not just at the church here in franklin tennessee but our mission efforts across the globe and if you are in the nashville area we do hope you'll come hang out with us on a sunday um uh, we have three services, 8.30, 10, and 11.30. You can find us online always, uh, 10 a.m. live streaming on Sundays. And uh, 
yeah, we hope you'll you'll join that. And if, if you do us a big solid, um, we probably should start asking for this at the front because I feel like people don't make it to this far to the end. But uh, like like wherever you're getting your podcast from, would you guys like it? Would you uh, subscribe. Re- subscribe and review? That that helps us a lot for other people to find us outside of that. There's a lot of people listening to this right now. Like it's really fascinating. Um, I'm not even sure how most of them are finding it, but mm-hmm. but maybe it's because you guys that are listening keep sharing it. So anyway, thank you guys. God bless you. Uh, if you have any questions, info at conduitchurch.com. If you are listening and have, man, I, I really want to have that surety of Jesus and that salvation that I'm going to be not sitting here uh, on the, the earth during this great tribulation period, but watching with Abraham. Uh, would you email us info at conduitchurch.com? Someone would absolutely love to reach out and to talk to you and to pray with you. So I hope you'll do that. So God bless you guys. Know that we love you and uh, we will next time on the Conduit Deeper podcast.